Today we're looking at the history of propaganda. Hello, I'm Laura Lee, and this is the podcast where we look into the history behind what's happening in our world. And today, propaganda. October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted his 95 Thesis to the door of the church in Wittenberg, and this was the start of the end of the hold the Catholic Church had over Europe. The church had to find a way to stop the Reformation. I went through the history of this in my podcast, Church History, so check that out. In 1622, Pope Gregory XV started something to convince people to not follow the Reformation and to stay loyal to the Catholic Church. He created the Congregation for the Propagation of the Faith. The Propagation of the Faith also spread the Catholic Church into areas where the Church had not been yet. Pope Urbane VIII created the College of Propaganda, a college set to train the priests. So the very first use of the word propaganda was to convince the masses to follow the teachings of the state-run church. Let's jump ahead to World War I. Have you ever tried to explain World War I to someone? It was called the Great War, the war to end all wars. We know what countries were on what side, but why? Why did so many men leave their families and go and fight? Well, the government actually had a hard time getting families willing to send their sons brothers, fathers, off to war. They printed posters, making war look exciting and brave. They used radio and print ads to convince the men it was their duty to go to war, that anyone who didn't go was a coward and a traitor. But still, convincing people was hard to do. The government needed the people to hate the enemy, and they had to discredit anyone who opposed the message. That is propaganda. The actual definition of propaganda is the spreading of ideas, information, or rumors for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution, a cause, or a person. Ideas, facts, or allegations spread deliberately to further one's cause or to damage an opposing cause. So, rumors started to spread. One was that Russian troops had already arrived on Britain's soil and were marching across the land. One very disturbing story was that a Belgian baby had his hands cut off by soldiers. The baby was said to be touring America and Great Britain. People even claimed to have seen the baby. The baby never existed. There was also the stories that soldiers were taking little babies, throwing them in the air, and catching them with their bayonets, cutting them in half. Of course, this never happened. There was the story of Germans crucifying a little girl and a Canadian man. Also, never happened. And the story that Germans used dead bodies to make oil and feed their pigs. All of these stories created an enemy that people felt called to fight. Mix that in with the posters everywhere telling you it was your duty and the constant radio ads calling for men to fight. If you were a young man 
and you wanted to be a real man, you would join and fight. About 40 million people died in World War I. And I don't think World War II would have happened without World War I. I don't believe the Germans would have followed a man like Hitler if they had not been so screwed over by World War I. What exactly was the official reasons for World War I? Well, countries were in a race to build the most warships. Countries were making treaties that left out other countries. And it was really a game to see what country would be the greatest. And 40 million people died. Let's move to a more recent history. I remember very clearly being a 13-year-old girl. It was Wednesday night, prayer meeting. The youth were all sitting in a circle praying when someone came in and said, it's official, we are at war. For teens today, that probably wouldn't even mean anything because we're always at war now. But that day, it meant a lot because we hadn't been at war before that, not in my life. That day was the start of Desert Storm and the war in the Middle East that has taken different names but has never truly ended. But how did the American government convince men and sometimes women to go to a country far away and fight? Well, it started with another 13-year-old girl. The meeting was ready to start. Senators were all in their seats, ready for this testimony. Cameras were aimed at the empty table and the chair, waiting for the star witness to arrive. Then the doors opened and Nayira walked in. She was small. She looked shy and afraid. She took her seat and began to speak. Thank you very much. Our final witness is also using an assumed name, and again, we ask uh, our friends in the media to respect the need to, for her to protect her family. And we finally call on Naira to testify. Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, my name is Naira, and I just came out of Kuwait. My mother and I were in Kuwait on August 2nd for a peaceful summer holiday. My older sister had a baby on July 29th, and we wanted to spend some time in Kuwait with her. I only pray that none of my 10th grade classmates had a summer vacation like I did. I may have wished sometime that I could be an adult, that I could grow up quickly. What I saw happen to the children of Kuwait and to my country has changed my life forever. It has changed the life of all Kuwaitis, young and old. We are children no more. <coughs> my sister, with my five-day-old nephew, traveled across the desert to safety. There was no milk available for the baby in Kuwait. They barely escaped when their car was stuck in the desert, desert sand, and help came from Saudi Arabia. I stayed behind and wanted to do something for my country. The second week after invasion, I volunteered, volunteered at the Aladan Hospital with 12 other women who wanted to help as well. I was the youngest volunteer. The other women were from 20 to 30 years old. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators. 
think theirs and let the children to die on the cold floor. <laughs> that was horrifying. I could not help but think of my nephew, who, if born premature, might have died that day as well. After I left the hospital, some of my friends and I distributed flyers condemning the Iraqi invasion until we were warned we might be killed if the Iraqis saw us. The Iraqis saw us. The Iraqis have destroyed everything in Kuwait. They, they stripped the supermarkets of food, the pharmacies of medicine, the factories of medical supplies, supplies, ransacked their houses, and tortured neighbors and friends. I saw and talked to a friend of mine after his torture and released by the Iraqis. He is 22, but he looked as though he could have been an old man. The Iraqis dunked his head into a swimming pool until he almost drowned. They pulled out his fingernails and applied electric shock to sensitive private parts of his body. He was lucky to survive. If an Iraqi soldier was found dead in a neighborhood, they burned to the ground all the houses in, in the general vicinity and would not let firefighters come until the, until the only ashen rebel was left. The Iraqis were making fun of President Bush and verbally and physically abusing my family and me on our way out of Kuwait. We only did so because life in Kuwait became unbearable. They have forced us to hide, burn, and destroy every, everything identifying our country and our government. I want to emphasize that Kuwait is our mother and the Emir our father. We repeated, we, we repeated this on the roofs of our houses in Kuwait until the Iraqis began shooting at us. And we shall repeat it again. I am glad I am 15, old enough to remember Kuwait before Saddam Hussein destroyed it, and young enough to rebuild it. Thank you. Mayor, I thank you. Let me thank all of our witnesses. Uh, we've uh, passed eight years in the existence of the Congressional Human Rights Caucus. We've had scores of hearings about human rights abuses throughout the world. And I know my co-chairman, Tom Lantos, will join me in telling you that we have never heard in all this time, in all circumstances, a record of inhumanity and brutality and sadism as the ones that the witnesses have given us today. I don't know how the people of the civilized countries of this world can fail to do everything within their power to remove this scourge from the face of our earth. And the witnesses, by providing to us eyewitness accounts and reports detailing the conduct of the Iraqi soldiers under the command of Saddam Hussein have done a great service to their country and to ours and to all countries of the world who must join together and take whatever action may be necessary to free the people of Kuwait from this aggression and brutality.
This story of babies being thrown from incubators was a story that ended any doubt about the war. The Senate voted, and we are still killing and being killed there today. As Bush traveled and spoke about the war, he used the sentence, babies thrown from incubators and left to die, in many of his speeches. However, it was a lie. Nayira was a Kuwaiti girl, yes, but her father was the ambassador to America. She didn't live in Kuwait. She just lived down the road from where she testified. The entire story was made up. By the time the truth came out, the war had already started and the propaganda of no one being allowed to say anything negative about the war was already in full swing. So no media covered the fact that it was not a real story. Okay, let's look at today. Trump. Just hearing his name brings all kinds of things to mind. Did you know he won a lot of awards for his work in the black community? He was loved by rappers and never ever had a hint of racism until he run for the Republican Party. Suddenly he was labeled as a racist, even worse, labeled as a Nazi, even though he's the most pro-Israeli president they have ever had. He has a daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren who are Jews. How is he a Nazi and a racist? What about BLM? Anyone who doesn't worship them is a racist. But the money they raise goes to an organization called Act Blue, who gives it to Democrats to help elect Joe Biden. Joe has only gotten two laws passed in his over 40 years of being in government. Both laws were crime bills that targeted black communities and sent black men to prison for life. So BLM, who claims to be stopping systematic racism, funnels money to an old white man who is literally the creator of any systematic racism in America. BLM burns down cities, but targets black communities, black-owned businesses, and is creating a food desert in black communities because the grocery stores are being looted and destroyed. But you're supposed to support BLM, or you're a racist. How can you claim to be an organization that cares about black people while burning down black communities and funneling money to the man responsible for any systematic racism in America. Then there's COVID. We used to all call it the Wuhan virus until China told us to stop. Here's a clip of the media. You're going to hear them complaining about people calling it the Chinese virus, blaming Chinese or using the term Wuhan virus. You're also gonna hear clips of them using the exact same terms. Uh, the president referred to the coronavirus as a, quote, foreign virus. Uh, that, that, I think, was interesting because, as I was talking to sources earlier this evening, one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight, wanted to get across to Americans, is that this virus did not start here, uh, but that they're dealing with it. Now, why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus, that is something we'll also be asking questions about. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus has now surpassed the 2003 SARS outbreak and the number of lives it's claimed. Having to deal with it, the total number of deaths 
from the Wuhan coronavirus. It's now surpassed the SARS outbreak. There are now 11 confirmed cases of the Wuhan coronavirus. New information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. Okay, why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. That they are furious with the Chinese government. That's because, just as you said, John, they are now claiming that potentially the U.S. military could be to blame for the Wuhan virus, uh, which originated, as we know, in Wuhan, China. China certainly feels that is what happened, what is happening now uh, with people calling it the, the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus or the, the China virus. This is a virus that came from the territory of China, but came from bats. This is a bat virus, not a, uh, a China virus. Uh, it doesn't speak Chinese. It doesn't target Chinese people. Uh, it targets human beings who happen to touch their eyes, nose, or, or mouth. I would, I would always be skeptical. Uh, I think they, they handled this in the beginning with a great deal of secrecy in China. They forced the, the initial whistleblower, a doctor, to, to recant and issue a letter effectively of, of confession saying that he was sped, uh, spreading illegal rumors and then he, he died from the, from the, uh, the COVID-19, the disease caused by this coronavirus. So China said, if you call it the Wuhan virus, you're racist. And the media started to say that there was a wave of Chinese being targeted and beat up. And if anyone called it anything other than COVID-19, they were racist and personally responsible for Asians being attacked. Of course, they couldn't actually bring any Asians to the media to tell their stories of being attacked because it was propaganda. Then pictures of caskets and overrun hospitals. And when people pointed out the pictures were from 10 years ago, and a completely different situation. It was the people not falling into line and not being afraid who were the bad guys. Videos and pictures of overrun hospitals in New York just happened to be exactly the same as the hospital pictures in Europe. Doctors and nurses showed pictures of their faces all marked up from their long hours of being forced to wear a mask. Now we don't see those pictures anymore because the new propaganda message is that masks are great and anyone who has a problem with them is just being a baby. But at first, when the propaganda first started, we saw doctors and nurses with their sad faces all marked up from being forced to wear masks. We were all supposed to feel sad. People went out every day at seven to clap and bang pots and pans and thank those frontline workers. Signs went up all over all the lawns. Even though hospitals were basically completely empty, but how dare anyone show pictures of empty hospitals? No, no, no. We had to show only the overrun hospitals, even though all the footage was exactly the same from every country and every hospital. When people tried to fight back and marched for freedom, pictures emerged of doctors and nurses bravely standing in front of cars, blocking them. But just a few weeks later, when BLM protests started, Pictures of doctors and nurses kneeling in support of the protest came out. And now there's mask. And the propaganda says if you're a good person and care about other people, you will wear a mask. If you are kind, you will wear the mask. It's all propaganda. And all this propaganda comes from the media. We have to understand, media is big business. Just like Big Pharma, you have big media. In the 80s, the U.S. had 50 different media companies. Today, 
we have nine. Disney, AOP, Viacom News Corporation, General Electric, Sony, AT&T, Faven Universal, Time Warner. These companies own all the media. They own all the film, they own all the cable, every TV book publisher, and every music. But then along came the internet and everything changed. YouTube, podcasts, Twitter, suddenly gave voices to many different people with many different points of view. But now those internet businesses are cracking down and forcing anyone who doesn't have the approved message to be banned. We are too smart for this game, people. We need to just all just stop. Use the brain God gave you. Think critically. Ask questions. And remember, if you're not allowed to ask questions, that's a problem. I have a lot more I want to share, but you're going to have to wait until next week. In the meantime, for more podcasts, blogs, and videos, check out my website, lauraleesiemens.com.